Hello friends and welcome to Brotherly Love Gaming, the show where two brothers talk through the past, present, and future of our lives in gaming. My name is Alex, joined today by my brother Spence. What's up guys? So normally we would open up the show talking about what we've been playing recently, but we've sort of both been completely consumed by Fire Emblem Three Houses. So we're gonna we're gonna push that to later in the show so we can talk about it more in depth. because uh, we do want to touch on a lot of news has been coming out this week, primarily the fact that Gamescom has been happening over in I believe it's in Germany. Uh it's like a huge European show. I think I even heard it's actually like the biggest gaming thing in the world. So lots of little pieces of information coming out. We wanted to just do like a super cut highlight reel of news. Sound good? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're just going to start off with the fact that there was a Nintendo Indie World that aired on, gosh, what was that, Monday at this point? Monday or Tuesday? And basically a Nintendo Direct for Indie Games. These are kind of always a little hard to talk about since... You know, they're not heavy hitter games. You don't necessarily always know what these things are going to pan out to be. But they did announce some big stuff, like Super Hot is going to be coming to the Switch. I think it's actually available immediately, so it's available now. Go get it. Um, what was the other big one? Hotline Miami. Both Hotline Miami games are coming to the Switch. You can get a physical version of that through Special Reserve Games coming sometime in the future. I don't know exactly when they haven't announced that yet, so check their Twitter for updates. Um, something I'm very excited about, Ori in the Blind Forest, finally coming to Switch after being rumored for quite a while. And Spence, you perked up a little bit when I mentioned to you that Risk of Rain 2 was going to be coming to the Switch. That's something that you've talked about before. I did. Yeah, so I've I've played that on Steam a lot. Um, mm-hmm. They've been releasing a lot of decent content for it, actually. They came out with some characters and stuff like that, some updates okay. that, that were pretty nice. Um I don't know how it's going to be on Switch since it's primarily like online. It's a, you know, a dungeon runner basically. And uh, with like the online system, I don't know how that's going to work for, for Switch, but you know, I'm pretty excited to see how it pans out. Right. And so it's entirely a co-op game or it's like meant to be played as a co-op game. It, it's meant to be played as co-op. You can do solo runs, but it's not as right. easy, I want to say. It's a lot more gotcha. difficult because you're you're kind of controlling everything, you know? Right. Yeah, that kind of stuff interests me on Switch in particular because of the fact that, like, I typically play the Switch and I'm, like, playing it in 20-minute bursts, basically. <laughs> uh, so, you do Yeah, something that you're not going to be able to do. Yeah, I can't imagine that would work, especially, like, you can't really pick up and play a co-op game necessarily. You're going to have to schedule some time for that, you know? So, um, yeah. and of course, as has been discussed with other, with other games, even with Fire Emblem, which we'll get to like the internet functions of the games you can't necessarily use if you're on the road. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's worth a try and everything seems to sell pretty well on switch these days. So, you know, that'd be pretty cool if that worked out. Um, yeah. but that's, like I said, that's the big stuff. Uh, Orient Blind Forest is coming to switch on the 27th of September. And I'm probably going to be getting that one. Cool if there is a physical edition of that, but I don't know anything about that yet. Uh, Eastward was another game that looked pretty interesting. Um, And it's coming from, I think, Chucklefish is the publishers of that one. They've been doing a lot of Switch stuff recently. Um, So keep your eyes for that one, basically. You can look up the rest of the titles. 
watch the, the video if you want to see what else might strike your fancy. There's a lot of different stuff on there. Uh, moving through some other Gamescom announcements. I think same day, there was first a leak and then a confirmation that the Yakuza collection from Japan is coming over to the West for the PS4. These are remasters of Yakuza 3, 4, and 5, which were originally PS3 games that are now coming to the PS4. Um, Yakuza 3 digitally is available right now. 4 is coming, I think, in October, and then 5 is launching in March. And then when 5 launches in March, they're also releasing a physical edition of the three of them. Uh, the only way to get them physically is to buy this collection. The cool thing, though, in my opinion, well, there's two cool things. The first cool thing is that uh, it's only 60 bucks for all three of those games combined, which is, like, insane to me considering how big the Yakuza games are. And the second right. cool thing is that they're also including a PS3 case for Yakuza 5 because that was never released physically in the West. So they're just giving people, hey, you already have all the other games on PS3. Well, now you have a case for 5 that you can just put on your shelf. And it's just included in the box. That's cool. It's weird. It's wacky. But um, I'm going to be probably picking that one up. Um just because it's pretty cool. Also, uh, that physical edition, which I think is coming, sorry, February, not March, February 11th, 2020. Uh, they claim it's going to be a limited print run. So we'll see what limited means to Sega and PlayStation at this point. Um, maybe jump on that one if you're interested in it. I think Amazon pre-orders just went up earlier today. Going to Keep my eyes peeled for that nice. Best Buy while I still got some game games uh, gamers club unlocked. Cool, right. Yakuza. <laughs> uh, you wanted to talk about Dead by Daylight doing a new. Is it considered a crossover? Like, what do you what do you what do you call this? Just a. They're they're just called licenses, right? Okay. So, so this um, is like a thing in the Dead by Daylight universe already. They call them. They have a name for it. Well, they're they're basically they're called chapters according to like the uh, the game creator. Okay. Um, but basically, there there are licensed killers or licensed characters, and then there are the original ones. So the right. licensed ones include like Mike Myers, uh, Ghostface, um, Leatherface, uh, the pig from Saw. They have Ash from The Evil Dead now. That was the last one. That's cool. That was the last Survivor, I think. Um, but now they're doing Stranger Things, which is super cool. Um, I watched the 40-minute reveal today, and they they basically announced that it's going to be the Demogorgon, Steve Harrington, and Nancy Wheeler from the show. Um, the Demogorgon will be a killer, and obviously, and then the, the two others will be survivors, and they each come with their own perks, uh, along with a Hawkins Lab map for for that game as well which is super cool. Uh, my friends are super obsessed with Dead by Daylight. They all love playing right. it. That's cool. I'm not, I'm not as into it, but I might get into it now that Stranger Things is uh, a part of it because I love that right. show. Um, the perks seem a little broken, but it'll, it's also not out yet. They, they told us that it's going to be changing you know, as they go right. through the, the player test beta and stuff like that. So I'm interested to see what it's, what it's like, but it looks really cool. Right. Interesting. I don't know too much about the game besides yeah. like the premise, you know, so like even if I had watched what all the perks and everything did, I don't know if it would have done anything for me, but um, 
we Probably talked about not. we talked about how like everybody's doing like a like a terminator crossover these days so i like the fact that this is like a license that i wouldn't have thought of necessarily being used for anything right you know just like you know what we're gonna do yeah that in the game so speaking cool. of Termin speaking of terminator crossovers uh, mortal kombat announced their first two uh dlc characters being the joker and the terminator which uh yeah seems unfair. i don't have much to well, say about that i, I don't know I, I don't have much to say about that because the joker has been in numerous fighting games already i'm sick of seeing it and i'm sick of like there's only two games already. There's already two games coming out that are doing Terminator crossovers that I really right. could care less about. You know, so. isn't um, aren't the Injustice games made by like the same or use the same engine as the Mortal Kombat games at least? So do they just like yes. pluck the same Joker out of that and just drop it into Mortal Kombat and then there you go? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably it, it's going to be more bloody, obviously, because it's actually Mortal Kombat. Right. But um. Hmm. I don't know. It's weird. But speaking of crossovers, I know this is I know this is off topic, but I do want to talk about that gears thing then. Cuz that's crazy. Right. Well, no, we can just move into that. I was just going to make one last joke about if the uh if the Joker thing, like cuz obviously the Terminator is because there's a new Terminator coming out and there's also a Joker movie, the Todd Phillips fucking Phoenix Joker movie is coming out soon. So, but if have they shown off footage of this new Joker or they just say the Joker is going to be there. They just they announced it, and I think they showed like a screenshot of what he's okay. going to look like in the game. I don't, I don't, I didn't look into it. I just saw, I got a, a notification on my Twitter feed that said right. news for you, Joker and Terminator confirmed. Yeah, I was going to say like if uh, if are they trying to go for Joaquin Phoenix as the uh, as the Joker? And uh, I see the picture of the of the design. Yeah, it's kind of like a, like a generic. Yeah, somebody's generic idea of the Joker, but all right, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I know people on uh people on Twitter were going nuts over this, calling it like a looks like a Joker cosplayer. All right, well that's Joker in, uh, <laughs> in Mortal Kombat. Neat. <laughs> so, hey, so, the, you, so you really want to talk about the gear stuff? So let's talk about the gear stuff. So the only crossover that matters right now, other than the Dead by Daylight one is the Halo Reach crossover into Gears, uh, what is it, 6, 5? Five? Five. 5, Gears five. 5. Yeah. So Cat and Emil from Halo Reach are going to be playable characters in Gears 5. And I was not interested in Gears 5 at all, and now I feel like I'm being baited to buy it <laughs> just because of that. Right. They are. They really are because... I don't know if you ever played Halo Reach of the campaign, but you know there's no. a lot of stuff that happens with all of the, the that squad. Um, so being able to play as them again, since they're only in that one game, would be is going to be super cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw a bunch of like people saying like, "Oh, does that mean we get a Lancer in in Halo Infinite now? Like the the chainsaw with the?" Uh, yeah, I wouldn't like be surprised. AR. I wouldn't be surprised if they crossed it over and put right. a Lancer in in Halo Infinite now, but. I I just I was really excited when I saw that they look the character models look beautiful they're using right. the same voice actors from from the Halo Reach game right. which is awesome so it, it, I I don't want to buy Gears Five but I really might just because of that right that's a the kind of thing like I would have expected them to have done by now you know so it's kind of like 
not yeah. necessarily those characters, but just like put some Halo characters in a Gears game. You know, uh, doesn't Gears also have right. a Terminator character, <laughs> or is that? Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. The other one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they yeah, announced that at E3. There's a right. Terminator. Uh, I don't know if it's like a a whole like storyline or if it's just a playable character. Or what I don't right. remember, but stop with the Terminator crap. I'm sick of it. Yeah, well, I think it was also sort of maybe too much, too fast. But no, but it is cool that they're like I guess synergizing, you know, in a way taking taking Halo characters and sticking them in in gears and. Uh, I haven't played Halo Reach, but I do know that, like you said, people like those characters, you know, and also wish they were in other stuff. So it's cool to to think that, yeah. you know, not only are you getting Halo characters, but they're thinking a little bit more than just being like, well, let's just put Master Chief in this or something, you know? They're like, what characters would the fans really yeah. want to see? You know, let's give them that. So that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Um, I don't have an Xbox, so I won't play it, but... Um... <laughs> I might so cool. just because just because of a just because of a meal. Um, all right, what do we? I lost my notes. Cool. So, any anything else you want to say about gears, or you think you're good with that? I'm good with that. Happy I, as a clam. I still have. Or when is that coming I, out? Is that this well, year still? That's like this fall, right? I think so. I don't. Right. I don't remember actually. But um, but I don't know. I my my standpoint still stays the same i'm not happy with what looks to be character abilities and stuff like that but you know i'm I'm not gonna buy it on release date that's for sure but if you know right. i hear some some good reviews and people saying that they like the new system then i might pick it up this it's coming out real soon coming out on september 10th which when is was it? september 10th oh so like Wikipedia. less than a month so that's less real fast yep yeah. Cool. Alrighty, pivoting from Microsoft to Sony, we should quickly mention that Sony uh, bought Insomniac earlier this week, uh, the studio most recently known for the uh, Spider-Man game on PS4 that came out last year. Yeah, but they were the creators of Spyro, the Ratchet and Clank series, uh, the Resistance series, and also Sunset Overdrive on the Xbox, um, which I tend to forget about because again, I don't have an Xbox. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was an alright game. That one? It wasn't okay. Yeah, I did. No, it wasn't that great. I know it has a very dedicated fan base. Like people that like that game a lot really like that game a lot. Uh, so because I, I know some people that are really right. um, that you know Sony acquiring Insomniac means they probably will never get a Sunset Overdrive too. You know. Uh, I mean, the main significance of yeah. this is the fact that, that I heard somebody mention, somebody like in the, on the announcement, someone in like the, the press announced that, um, mentioned that Insomniac was like the biggest independent developer in North America. But So the fact that they're now owned by somebody, um, just kind of a little, you know, a little bit changes up the game. Even though, like, if you had asked me, like, you know, already, if Sony had already owned them, considering the fact that 95 to 99% of their games are already just Sony exclusives, I, I would have probably hesitated, you know? Um, yeah. I think that means, that probably means good things for 
you know, future Spider-Man games since Sony owns Spider-Man. Um, you know, they'll maybe be more willing to pump in money and resources into a company they own versus just contracting the developer for it. Uh, right. I don't know. Do you feel like you're losing anything as someone who doesn't, you know, Sunset really, Overdrive was the main thing really. you would have probably played or where they did, um, they did Song of the Deep actually, which was another, uh, which is like a, a smaller kind of like indie indie game that they put out in 2016, I believe. So, you know, you got to think they're probably not going to ever do games like that ever again, you know. Nah, just I, I played, I played ideas. probably like, I played probably like maybe four or five hours of Sunset Overdrive and it was like fun, but it reminds me like it, it feels like it's trying too hard to be Crackdown. Okay. And I didn't like that because it wasn't Crackdown. Right. So, I don't know. Fair. Um, I, I, I forgot what we were talking about Microsoft. Uh, yesterday, I believe, they added Devil May Cry 5 to Game Pass. Yeah. I think I saw so, that, yeah. a brand new Devil May Cry game that came out a couple months ago is on Game Pass. It's actually installing right now on my Xbox in the background over there. Nice. So... I'm going to be playing that real soon, probably tonight after we're done. Nice. I got to see. Is, is that on the, just the Xbox version? You know if that's on the PC version of Game Pass at all? Not to check. I don't know. I, I don't know. I have I, that. So Xbox sends you messages. Like you have in your messages, you can be like chat or messages from Xbox. Mm-hmm. And it gives you updates on what they add. So gotcha. um, I, I they probably added like Devil May Cry 5 and a couple others. Yeah, they, they added a couple of games, but Devil May Cry 5 is the one that really like stuck out for me. And I was like, well, crap, now I got to, you know, now I got to play right. this because I wanted to, I wanted to buy it, but I was like, ah, I'll wait till it goes down. And now I can just play it. So go, go, go. There you go. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, we feel so strongly about the Insomniac news that uh, Devil May Cry 5 coming to Game Pass <laughs> stole the show. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, sorry, I, I got sidetracked, but I meant to mention it during the Microsoft talk. So no, 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 that's good. And I think that's the thing with with the, with this kind of news is you know you're either going to be kind of like I don't know what that means for me, you know, or you'll probably be excited because it might mean they can make bigger and better games. You know, um, yeah, yeah. So that's that. Good for Insomniac. I hope that uh, everybody got a big payday. Yeah. <laughs> For getting bought out by big money. Okay, would you like to talk about um, streaming and Stadia becoming closer to becoming a thing? They did a they did a Stadia Man. Connect, yeah. their version of the Nintendo Direct, um, except whereas Nintendo Directs are Nintendo just announcing a whole bunch of games, um, Stadia didn't really have too much to show off. Um, they, I don't know if they showed off any exclusives actually, and if they did, it's nothing that like stuck out of my mind, you know, enough to want me to talk about it right now. Uh, the big thing was that they said that Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be available on Stadia when it launches in April 2020. Um, so, PC people, or I guess somebody that would want to play Cyberpunk on a PC with PC quality, but doesn't have a PC that can run that might be interested in that if you have a fast enough internet connection to be able to play it. That's kind of Stadia in a nutshell at this point, you know? 
until we actually get our hands on it. Because um, every time we talk about it, you got to mention, you know, if you can do this, and if you want this, and if you can do this, then it's going to be amazing for you. But otherwise, we just don't know yet. Yeah. We just don't know. Uh, exactly. I think, I think based on the, um, based on this video, it kind of confirmed in my mind, like cemented in my mind, that they're trying to just show everybody, hey, you like cyberpunk. Hey, you like, I think Borderlands was announced. Um, you like those games that you want to play on your Xbox, that you want to play on your PC. Well, they're going to be available on Stadia too. I think that's like the main thing that they're trying to do is convince people you know, the games you love or the games you're expecting to love, you'll be able to get them over here. Uh, it's kind of something, it's, it's similar to what Nintendo did like in the latter half of its first year when they were, because they really did a ton of, that game is going to come to Switch. That game's going to come to Switch. This game's going to come to Switch. They're, they're still doing it, but yeah, they're, they're still also doing cranking it. Witcher out. 3 is just now They're also Switch, still... You know? Yeah, and they're still, but they're still cranking out all their, you know, their big name games too, as well. So yeah, you know, they're they're doing both of those while Stadia is only doing one. So yeah. I don't, I, I don't see how anybody is. I I feel like Stadia is going to be a huge letdown, in my opinion. Like mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to sell as near as much because uh, everybody I've talked to, I none of my friends even have talked to me about Stadia since it got released, like right. like or announced. I mean, no one like no one seems to care. Right. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of confusing to figure out what kind of market they're going for. You know, it's got, you have to be people that have strong internet connections, you know, but also people that yeah. maybe haven't invested in a big PC. Like, you know, weird, like if I could afford it, I feel like I'm probably like the audience for it because, you know, like I stream games through PlayStation now. So I probably could do Stadia if Stadia is claiming to be better than that. Um, and I don't have a PC strong enough to play something like Cyberpunk 2077 on a PC, you know, but right yeah. now for me anyway, like my main hesitation is that I don't fully understand like their pricing structure because, it, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay just to get the Stadia and then I'm also buying Cyberpunk for full price but I don't own it, you know, and me being such a stickler for like ownership of things and I'm promoting, you know, physical collection and things like that. Uh, I have a hard time being like, yeah, let me just, let me just get that. Like when I, when I said that I, I stream a lot of games on PlayStation now, primarily what I'm doing with that is, is it's either games that like maybe are exclusive to digital or games that like are too expensive for me to buy. There's a couple on there like that. Or games that I just like want to try out and see if maybe I want to go pick up a new version of that, you know, like um, the first Legend of Heroes game, um, Trails of Cold Steel is on there. And there's a new PS4 version of that, like a physical copy. So like, I'm going to try that out and see if I want to pick up the physical at some point, you know. Um, Stadia sounds at this point like it would be too expensive for me to do something like that, you know. Uh, I'm going to buy... Yeah cyberpunk on stadia to then go out and buy cyberpunk on ps4 like i wouldn't why would i do something like that you know um right so it depends on yeah it depends on if they're going to be able to incentivize people with 
freebies or a subscription model or something something like that you know you know because they're not uh, like we've mentioned numerous times at this point the uh, way to launch a console is nintendo switch day one breath of the wild on day one mario odyssey yep. several months later you know big heavy hitter games um i agree Last thing about Stadia, and then I'll and then I'll move on. It's just sort of like a like a thing that I've just been thinking about this week since their announcements earlier this week. It's just wondering if maybe like I mentioned like I mentioned before that they are probably trying to highlight games people know to convince them okay those games are going to be here, and I think they're also doing that to can to give people like. A benchmark for what the service could be like you know because people might have an idea of like what borderlands 3 is going to run like so if you right. see that running on stadia and it runs well on stadia then you're like wow borderlands 3 requires blah 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 blah, blah specs on a, P- on, a, on a pc i know what that's like stadia must be really great but if they show off just strictly original games then they end up hurting themselves in a different way because people are like, well, I have no idea what that game would require to run. You know, it could take nothing and you could be fooling me right now, you know? Uh, so that's just kind of another thing that I think about that, that puts Stadia in a very strange, and Google in a very strange position that I don't think they're necessarily handling right, you know? Um, so yeah, I think- no, I, I agree. The, um, the paid version of that, the Founders Pack, I think is what it's called, launches and I think November, and then it's supposed to go free, air quotes free, because you got to buy some some hardware is required depending on how you want to use it. Uh, Free sometime next year, I think around when Cyberpunk comes out, if they're saying Cyberpunk is going to launch on it when it launches everywhere else in April. So it'll be out for everybody for free by April. So it's like the biggest wait and see in gaming right now basically is google stadia so yeah Yeah. we'll see what happens with that and that's the big news out of gamescom so let me tell you why you should download the dragon quest 11 demo for the nintendo switch first of all get the obvious out of the way dragon quest 11 is a really great game (laughs) and this switch version is considered the definitive version as far as I know, these updates are not coming to the PC or PS4 versions. So take that for what it is. The demo that's on the eShop right now is a free demo. And it's 10 hours long, which I think is insane. It's longer than most games. And yeah, it, it takes you up to, I, I haven't played all 10 hours, granted. But from what I've been reading about it, it apparently takes you up to the point where you recruit like your fourth party member, uh, which is pretty it's a pretty good chunk of the way into the, into the game. Um, all we want yeah. a percentage of the game. Dragon Quest XI is a massive game. So you're, if you, if you do everything in the game and complete the game, you're still only, you know, 20% of the way through the game, 10% of the game through the game, all the way through the game, even at 10 hours. Uh, the only sort of caveats are it like things that aren't in the game. Um, one of the big selling features of the switch version is that you can switch into a 2D retro style 16-bit version of the game. That that feature is not in the demo. Um, but the biggest selling point for me anyway 
is that you your progress will carry over if you get the full game. So yeah, when we when you mentioned that, I thought that was insanely awesome because that gives mm-hmm. you an incentive to like be like, hey, like play through this demo all the way through, so you know if you like it or not. And if you do, you know, you don't have to worry about restarting it once it comes yeah. out on Switch, you know, which is super cool. Yeah. And or for someone like, I think this is also a really great thing because for someone like me who will definitely be getting this version, but already has the PS4 version and has a ton of games to play that are coming out right at the same time this game is coming out. Um, I like the fact that I don't have to like rush out to the store to try to grab this, you know. I can play literally the first 10 hours of it on my demo version and then be like, all right, well, now I finished those 10 hours. I'm ready to get the full game. Yeah. Now, here's my, here's my question for you. Is, does it only carry over if you buy it digitally or does it carry over even with physical? From, from what I've read, it will carry over. It just, they've just said that it's going to carry over. Carries over no matter what. Yeah. Okay. Which I know is That's the cool. thing that they've done with... Um, with other games, I think Octopath Traveler did that. I know even going back to like Pokemon Sun on the 3DS, that demo had data that you could transfer to the full game once you got the full game. You know, and I had that on a cartridge and it and transferred over. Uh, there's also... Yeah, so then it should... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's like um, going to be a problem at all unless something funky happens. You right. know, I, I think people would be explaining that um, if that were the case, but obviously we don't technically know until the game comes out at the end of September. Um, right. The um, uh, two other cool things that you can that you can do with it is if you play the demo, you'll get um, there's a special spirit that you can unlock in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, by doing that, I guess Smash Ultimate reads your data i don't know how it works but somehow somehow smash ultimate knows that that uh to, to unlock that spirit for you and there's also on the eShop page for direct Quest 11 there's some special dlc that you can get for free right now um that again you'll be able to use in your full game you know so this is this is really kind of crazy i think it's no reason to not do something like this you know just go for it and right. see what happens that's also because uh, again from what i understand it's not like a like a timed demo i think the octopath traveler demo was a timed demo so even if you you know wanted to do as much as you wanted to you would get cut off at a certain length of time this is a progress cutoff point you know so you could get to that really fast if you want to or you can just take your time and, and really really explore the game and do every possible thing you can do in that chunk of time up to that point, you know, right. And just play it like it's an actual game that you're going to have to, you know, what's that? What do they call it on mobile? Usually free to start games basically is basically what they're doing here. You yeah. know, it's a free to start game, you know, play it for up to 10 hours and then get the full game after that. You know, right. So that's what I recommend everybody to do. You know, we've talked to, or yes, I've evangelized this game quite a bit and this series quite a bit on this channel. Um, I did a video last year, God, it was a whole year ago, a bit. about uh, how to get into the Dragon Quest series. Um, I eventually ended up saying that you should almost, just get... Almost a year ago. Almost a year ago, because Dragon Quest XI came out 
on the PS4 about a year ago almost. Uh, yep. So yeah, and I basically ended up saying like, if you have the means to get Dragon Quest Eleven, just get Dragon Quest Eleven because it's great. It's a really beefy RPG for like the amount of time you'll be able to sink into it, you know. But it also gets you into the game really easily, you know. So it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be a good ten hours. We'll have fun. I know I'm gonna download it as soon as we're done talking. So yeah, I have it downloaded already, but I haven't been able to. Like I downloaded it before I even knew. Like it could have been a ten-minute demo, and I still was going to download it and just try it out. You know, um, I mean, I didn't say I was going to touch it right away because for obvious reasons that we're going to talk about. But yeah, yeah, same. That's what I, that's what I was getting at. Was that like I'm not going to be able to touch <laughs> it for a little while longer, but um, definitely going to be playing it. And you know, like if nothing else, um, I would love for people to play this. Okay, two. I'd love for people to play it. I'd especially love for people to play and then get the full game. And then I would love for Nintendo to do this again, you know, or for other developers and publishers to do this, you know, release, especially for big RPGs, you know, like it's, it's tough to be like, I don't know anything about this series. I don't know anything about this game, but I'm going to buy this, this thing and make myself sink 50 60 plus hours into it you know just for the heck of it you know what i mean like you could have they could have probably released the first mission of three houses for free as a demo you know and i'm I'm sure people would have would have gone for it they did they actually did do um there was definitely a fire emblem awakening demo i'm pretty sure i played that before getting awakening you know and i ended up getting awakening because i was like damn this game is great i want to play the whole thing you know, so right. uh, basically bring demos back because they're not as as common as they as they used to be. You know, I am happy that there are like a lot of demos on the Switch, just in general. Um, like Dragon Quest Builders, I think also has a demo. You know, but Pokemon Tournament has a demo. It's a pretty decent demo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just I, looking around I, demos now. Well, yeah, I think you know they kind of went by the wayside for a while, you know, like mm-hmm. there, there were no demos anywhere that you could, you know, just test out a game to see if you liked it. You just had to sink the money into it and bite the bullet if you didn't like it. Right. But now, you know, with the switch, the switch is doing great things. It's, you know, there's a lot of demos like Yoshi's uh, crafted world had a, had a demo. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was, and that was fun. Uh, it was just the first level there or first two levels maybe. Right. But you know, it gives people an idea whether or not they want to buy it. And you know, it gives people more of an incentive because there's a lot of people that are like well i don't know if i like it i'll wait till someone else gets it and try it out there mm-hmm. if they could just try it out on a demo that your sales are going to go up more than likely more demos please and get drag quest 11 this is good <laughs> okay fire emblem three houses so are we probably going to have to do spoilers i guess because i'm going to want to yeah just just disclaimer we're gonna be talking we're not that far yes so we're still in the first we're still in the first part of the game yes you're only on chapter 10 chapter 10 now probably we're still nine um i think i'm on 10 or 11 um i'm pretty sure i'm on the last one so this i guess this is a spoiler to say since this was in all the marketing and everybody pretty much knows this that there is a time skip in the game that happens that jumps forward five years uh, into the future 
Um, I'm at the point in the game, I'm pretty sure that like the next month is going to be the time skip for me because they keep referring to this event that they celebrate every five years and that it's happening next month. Um, and then I'm just like, oh, okay, well in five years, you know, or maybe it's like every, every year they celebrate a thing. And in five years, it's like a special version of the thing. But anyway, that's coming up soon for me. Um, right. so yeah, so not like crazy late game spoilers, but, but, um, spoilers for the first 20 ish hours of the game. How, how, you know what your playtime is like? At this point, I have twenty hours. Twenty hours. Twenty I hours. Had... But that's that's literally because I I explore every inch of the monastery mm-hmm. every time I go in, and I I mess around and I do a bunch right. of random stuff. So like, it's not like I'm I'm sure if I just like went mission mission like training like optimized like that that right. I probably would only be like maybe ten fifteen hours in. But mm-hmm. I, I literally just like you know I've spent countless hours just fishing in the game so you know like it's such a simple fishing mini game but it's like a like an amazing but it's so fun it's so fun fishing game (laughs) yeah it's just so fun it's so addicting um cool yeah so i've definitely done the same thing where i just go in and like i don't even try to do any of my activity points until i I've talked to everyone until I've talked to every single person, you know, um, yeah. even in the cases That's where, where you will like talk to somebody and then you later find out that you need to talk to them again because they were part of a quest, you know, and now you're back and, and their dialogue, they have different dialogue now, you know, and then I'll go through yeah. and decide, oh, am I going to have lunch with people or am I going to go do some training? You know, am I going to enter one of the tournaments? Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a bunch of questions for you then, since this is your first Fire Emblem game and I'm curious about a lot yeah. of things. So just before we before we dive into that, the last time I was on the show, because obviously last week I wasn't able to make it, I had some technical difficulties. Mm. Yes. Um, it, since the last time we talked about Fire Emblem, I have picked it up, as it's kind of evident that we've been talking about it. Right. Um, okay, yeah, I guess we hadn't even said that last time. Like yeah, you hadn't, so you hadn't I, done I it picked yet. up... Yeah, I picked up Fire Emblem. I'm absolutely loving the game. Super fun. It's the only game I've really touched other than like when I've gone to like parties and stuff, played maybe like an hour or two of Smash or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only game I've been playing. It's addicting. Like I said, I have 20 hours in it, you know. Um, super fun. It's, it is my first Fire Emblem game, though. So, yeah, so worth knowing I do that have you... a, I do. But. I was going to say that like those 20 hours you got in less time than it would have taken me to get those 20 hours, you know, cause you're, you're closing in on me already and you've had the game for, I don't know, two weeks less than I did. Yeah. Um, actually only about a week. It took about a week for yeah. the, the shelves to restock. Yeah. Um, but just to di- just my general thought before we dive into your questions I love this way more than Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, yeah? Interesting. A hundred thousand percent. Um, which also, I, I now am in possession of a Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2 on the DS, or 3DS? DS? It's on the DS, um, yeah. So I might, so I might, be, might be playing that because uh, now that I have it. Have I told you my experience with that game? Like, I just sort of a very small side tangent. Um, I found yeah, out recently. I think so. I found out recently that I sunk 30 hours into that game. I remember nothing about it. 
Like I could recount yeah, you the, told me about that. I could recount the entire plot of Tactics Advanced, the Game Boy Advance one to you. But I remember nothing about the DS one, even though A2. I like found my I was like, oh wow, I haven't played much of this. I wonder how much my playtime was. 30 hours. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, anyway. All right, so hit, me with, hit me with some questions. I'd love, I'd love to answer. Well, I will. You actually raised new question, but I'm curious as to like what you, because okay. let me preface this by saying, um, I know a lot of people that have said they prefer Final Fantasy Tactics over any Fire Emblem game, but particularly bring it up with this one because this one has like um, much more free class system compared to previous Fire Emblem games, which is one of the main selling points right. i think anyway of, of the final fantasy tactics games is the fact that you move your classes around and things like that you know um so people have been comparing them right. I'm, I'm interested in what you think you like this about this one more well i mean i played final fantasy tactics advanced the first the, the one on the game boy that you were talking about but i always felt like i didn't have any direction as far as like what i needed to do the story mm-hmm. anything like that um I really, really, really like that you don't have to just battle over and over again to gain experience. There's right. so many ways that you can gain experience and there's there's so many different things that you have to level. You know, you have to level your class, you have to level your professor level so that you can right. kind of do more things. You can attend seminars to level up your classes. You can teach those lectures. Mm-hmm. Um you can do training with other professors to raise your own professor classes. So you can kind of class your own character as whatever you want. Right. Um, and then there's also the, all that exploration of the monastery and, you know, you get to interact with people, you can recruit people from other houses. So you can kind of just mix and match what your team, what your dream team really is. Um, there's just so much to do. Like the, you know, like trying to build up your relationship with a specific character because you really want that character to be in your house. Like that's just such a cool mechanic to me mm-hmm. um, because again, you, like you get more attached to them, you know? Right. Uh, like you get more attached in the support videos, you know, like how you, you raise your levels between each character and then you watch how they interact with each other and you learn more about them that way. Like I spent like probably like 30 minutes re- watching all of the supports, you know, that I, right. that I had unlocked. There's, you know, lost, uh, lost items that you can re- recover in the monastery to, to give back to people for, to raise your, your, your relationship with them, you know, mm-hmm. give gifts. Like, there's just so much to do on top of the combat that it's just such a good game. Right. Right. Game like, my, yeah, my main problem, I think, with Final Fantasy Tactics Advance is that it's just battle, 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 battle. Right. Right. There's no break. It's just, you know, like, and to me, that's boring. Like, I like this game because I can do a bunch of different things. And then when I'm ready, I can go dive into a battle. And it doesn't really last that long, you know? Like, right. you, can, you can do it pretty quickly. And some, some of them, you have a limit on how many turns you can take. So it provides just enough challenge Oh, disclaimer, I'm playing on the casual mode, so it's not permadeath because it is my first one that I'm playing. Um, I told Alex that I took the uh, the cop out of it, but he was like, no, nah, that's, that's just totally that's the way to enjoy it. <laughs> and and I, I think that's true because like in my first few fights, 
I had people die. Right. And now I'm starting to get a hang of it where I'm like, okay, I need to do this. I need to let them attack me first so I can counterattack and then kill them in one hit on the next attack. Right. So it makes, it makes for a much more fun game for me, not having to worry about, oh, if, if Felix dies, I don't have my, my swordsman anymore, you know? Like I'm going to have to go recruit someone else from another house. And what if they die, you know? It's because then it's like if you die, you either have to reset or you have to recruit another person. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. I want to just be able to enjoy the story because the story is really good and enjoy the game. Right. Plus the voice acting in it is really, really good. There's a bunch of Naruto characters in it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I talked to you about it. But the yeah, yeah, you told Sai, me that, yeah. The first guy you talk to in the game, uh, Gerald, is voiced by the guy or is voiced by the guy that plays Jiraiya in Naruto. Mm -hmm. um, I think Sai, the guy that plays Sai, plays two different characters. He plays um, Florence and I think Casper. Yeah. Um... So. Lawrence and Lawrence, is, uh, it fits perfectly. Yeah, Lawrence is the um, young Xehanort in yeah, Kingdom Hearts. That's that's also Sai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in he's in my house. <laughs> he's a <laughs> but but if you if you've watched Naruto, you you've seen Sai, right? So it I'm remember which character looks, that is. He looks just like Lawrence. Does it he? fits perfectly. Yeah, that's why. I'm oh, saying, that's like, the it fits um, perfectly to the character. Or no, I'm thinking of someone different. The one that. Super Beast Scroll. He write. He draw. He paints to to use his jutsu. Oh, uh, okay. I'm with you. He's in Shippuden. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Um. So yeah. I'm trying to think of which what direction I want to go in from there. <laughs> yeah. No, I kind of just rambled. So because uh, I, I just really like the game. No, no, no. It's great. It's great. It's especially good because um, it gives me like an idea of like what stuff is jumping out at you. You know. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting is, uh, so, like, Fire Emblem in general, modern Fire Emblem, and then this game specifically, is definitely much more about, you know, building relationships with your characters than it is about, you know, I have to have a mage on my team, you know, which is definitely the way, like, right. a Final Fantasy Tactics would do it, is you have your character, but they're, they're their class or their whatever function you can have them do, where you can do that in Fire Emblem, but you know, this game in particular really wants you to know your mage's name, you know, what they like. You're like, you're supposed to be able to, I know it's really difficult, but you're supposed to be able to pick up those lost items and go, oh, I know who that belongs to, you know? Uh, you do that it's super like difficult. I have a ton sitting in my inventory. Yeah. I have a ton sitting in my inventory. Um, I don't I even always, know half of them. I always, I always try to like guess and be like, oh, it's probably you, right? But since since you get stuff for other houses, I don't know everybody from every house. It's kind of hard. Exactly. Uh, the um, so speaking about the combat, so how do you feel about like the like the difficulty level? Like I know you said you're you feel like you sort of maybe hit your stride and haven't come close to letting anybody die at this point, or what do you what are you thinking on? Yeah, that? no, no, like since since i want to say like the second mission i haven't even been close to letting anyone die mm -hmm. um i've been figuring it out like when it's when it's a good idea to run backwards and regroup and try to find the tactical advantage like there's those tiles that you know give you either like a dodge bonus or a resistance bonus and stuff like that so like it, it whenever there's a, a forest or a bush on the map i always try to play around that so that way i have the advantage against those right. enemies 
Yeah. Um, and another feature, I don't know if, if you've done this at all, that I think is really cool. You can zoom all the way in and you can run around the map. Yeah. Which is super cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like discovered it, it by accident by hitting it too many times. And I was like, what, what is happening? Like, I don't know yeah. what I did. It's kind of like but disorienting, but also cool. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's really disorienting, but it's really cool. Cause like my brain isn't used to thinking about those maps in a 3d space. Um, exactly. But like, I like, I'll, I'll move my characters around like that sometimes too, just for fun. Um, yeah. But like, so you're, you don't ever feel like you're in danger, but you're enjoying it, you know? Yeah. Would you say that's fair? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like there's been fights where like when we were talking about the death Knight thing, um, mm-hmm. either yesterday or this morning or something. And like, in that case, I was like, well, it seems a little too risky for me to try to fight him, so I'm just going to avoid him altogether. Because right. there was two fights with the Death Knight, if you remember, I think. I the think there's two. Right, there's two. Yeah. All I'll say. Yeah, I think there was, I think there was two. Um, so I just completely avoided it um, because I just didn't, I didn't want to, you know, reset the battle. Right. Um, and then you told me that there was an item involved and I was like, ah, oh, crap, I should have, should have done that. But no, like, I, I feel like it gives you enough challenge to the point where, you know, you can take some risks, but you're not going to get punished too bad. Right. Um, but you also need to realize when it's a better idea to run back, regroup with your team. Um, and like, you have to kind of split up your party to, 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 to traverse that map and stuff like that so i'm having a really good time playing it right yeah that's one thing that i noticed is that a lot of the as you go on a lot of the maps either separate your team from the start or will require you not require you but encourage you it's intended in order to to deal with a problem you know like i just did a paralog map where uh it's like desert well it's on a beach so it's like beach and sand reduces everybody's movement except for flyers and mages. And then you had like these two little islands you had to go to, you know, so I had two flyers, so I sent them off and then I had to have like a mage. One of my, one of my priests said to like wade through the water behind them <laughs> to be able to like heal them as they got too far away. But then at the same time, like I had to have, some like magic users go up the beach to clear out people on the beach. But then there was like a strip of land next to the beach that I wanted to get like my like melee characters onto to get them to be able to clear out those guys and be able to actually move since they can't move for crap and sand, you know? And uh, like, it's kind of interesting because like actual combat wise, like that's not necessarily difficult at all. Like once I, it's like, at that point in the game, you're going to know exactly which character to send out against that guy to make sure you one-shot them and they never hurt you, you know? But the interesting thing yeah. to me about these games is getting to that point, you know, is figuring out, okay, well, what way do I want to move my people, you know, to kind of optimize my route, basically? Yeah, what's the most what's the most efficient party I can, I can separate into in order to accomplish mm-hmm. everything on this map in as few turns as possible? Right. Um, which is super fun for me because I, I, I don't know. I really like games that require me to think a lot more and mm-hmm. not just like aimlessly, you know. That's why I think I had such a problem with like Hyrule Warriors because like I love Legend of Zelda, but at least Legend of Zelda makes me think through puzzles. Right. 
but Hyrule Warriors just, like, smash this button and kill yeah. everything. Yeah. So there's a Fire Emblem one of those too. <laughs> yeah, I know. My friend just uh, just finished that one. He because he loves Fire Emblem, so he he just finished that one. And he said it was really it was really good. Apparently, the story was actually good. In that one. I have I the 3DS version. I'll have to play it eventually. See, I have the 3DS version of Hyrule Warriors, and I'm kicking myself. I've been kicking myself since I bought a Switch because I I didn't wait. So, as far as I know, the content on the on, for the Fire Emblem Warriors anyway, the content is the same. It just runs better on the Switch. Um, it, but, that's the same for Hyrule but, Warriors, but except the for point, like DSC. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, yeah, but it runs better on the Switch to the point that, like, the reason why I have it on 3DS but haven't played it yet is because I'm like, I'm probably just going to get it on Switch at some point. Let me just. Um, but yeah, yeah, so like what you said is is sort of similarly to how, um, to how I feel, you know, like, I, again, I've spoken to some people that are just like, you know, oh, this game is super easy because I can just put my avatar character out front and he'll just destroy everything. But like my response to that is like, yeah, but like, why would you? Like, it's not fun. Like, don't, you know, don't give yourself the easy way out when you can make it more interesting by choosing combinations like my i mean i i keep him and everything to battle 11 no matter what just because i want to build those supports but you know like i'm not i'll send him yeah. out on the front line as like a defense you know but i'm not gonna be like yeah go kill every single character you know uh i also try to take advantage of like um leveling up everybody's job classes you know so have you figured out like how like uh job levels work yet what do you mean? Like I'm um, uh, like the, the rankings. So like uh, like if you're like if you're a, a mage class, basically, right? Every time right. you do an action, your character gets um, two points on their experience for their job class, and right. and occasionally, like you'll end up getting a couple a couple more. I've noticed. I don't know what gives you more. I can't predict that with hundred percent accuracy, so I won't say how. But like what I'll end up doing a lot of times is I'll just be like well, this character is pretty close to leveling up. So like, I'm not even going to have them attack anybody because they'll, you know, kill everybody quickly. Let me just send them into this group of four enemies and have each enemy take a shot at them, you know, and then they'll be able to level up their job really quickly, you know? And like, that's the kind of stuff that like interests me about, about the game and about, you know, Fire Emblem games in general is creating those kinds of scenarios where I can help my characters level up, you know, in interesting and different ways and learn new skills, you know, rather than just like the, the point of the map might be, you'll kill that boss, you know, but I'm like, well, what can I do to have an interesting experience on this particular map is kind of how I approach it. You know, and it sounds like you're doing something, right. which I think is interesting. Um, so yeah, I like, I have to go like explore all the chests on the map. Otherwise like I'll, mm-hmm. Do you have a thief like, on your I would, team? I, I, actually, I think my my professor is a thief right now. Okay, and mine's a thief. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure I do because there's multiple. I, I would have to look, uh, but I know like so. I I didn't even say this, um, but I picked uh, the blue lions. Um, at the beginning, yeah, I didn't even have say that when we start talking about it. And I'm golden deer. Um, yeah, but so like right now, Felix wants to be a sword master, 
Right. And I was originally going to make, I was originally going to make my character that, but then I was like, Hmm, like there's other classes that need a sword, you know, maybe I'll just take that. So I'm still trying to figure out what I want to make everyone, but I, I have like the basic part of everything. Um, so yeah, you don't necessarily need to be locked into anything because you can go through some interesting routes. Um, yeah. The um, yeah, my my main character is also a thief, um, but I have two thieves because I made him a thief, and because I wanted to have a thief and nobody else like really made sense to do it at the time. But then, like two missions later, I ended up recruiting Petra from the Black Eagles, who comes into your party as a thief, or at least did in my game. Um, so now I have two thieves, which actually is right. pretty convenient because there's a couple maps that have chests in totally different places. Uh, so rather than having to spend a ton of turns moving people around or having to carry a bunch of chest keys all the time, you know, I'm able to be like, all right, Petra, you go that way. Violet, you go that way. We'll both split yeah. the difference here. Um, okay. What, um, what kind of class? So you said you don't necessarily know everybody's class. Like, do you have any classes that you know for sure that you have that you like? Any characters that you really uh, like? Dimitri is a paladin right now. Or... A cavalry cavalry i want to make Cav- him a, a cavalier okay yeah i want to make him uh a pal a paladin is that the one that rides yeah yes yep yeah so i want to make him a paladin um i want to make ingrid uh whatever it is pegasus knight um annette wants to be a dark mage um did she be a dark mage so dark mage is a male only class or not dark mage, whatever, whatever it is. I forget what it is. Maybe I don't. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, warlock. That's what it was. She wants to be a warlock. Um, Felix wants to be swordmaster. I think I don't know what I'm gonna do with Sylvain yet. Uh, Mercedes obviously wants to be uh, like a healer. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, what's what's his name? Uh, the guy from Dusker. I forget his name now. It's like Dimitri. Dedu? Dimi- De- De- yeah. Something like that? Uh, Dedu. Dedu. Um, right now, he's my, my heavy armor, like heavy knight or whatever it is. Right, that makes sense. So he's going to be like my, my big tank because his, his passive ability is when you wait a turn, he takes reduced damage. He gets increased oh. Defense. That's cool. So if if you do nothing, if you do no action except wait, like move and wait, or just wait, he takes less damage if he's attacked. So a lot of the times I'll move him forward, have him wait, and he'll like take a hit. Right. Only take two damage compared to someone that would take like sixteen or something like that. Right. So interesting. That's super helpful. Um. So I would recommend you recruit him if if you're able to, because that's really good. He's he's unrecruitable. It's a really good blue lions. <laughs> ah, nice. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, just like you wouldn't be able to recruit. Um, actually, I think everybody in Golden Deer is recruitable except for um, uh, Claude. But I know, like in the Black Claude. Eagles, like he can't recruit Edelgard or um, Hubert. Hubert. I don't know how you pronounce it. I. Th- I'm almost positive later on in the game you're going to be able to because um, because you build relationships with them. So what would be the point of doing that if you can't add them to your party at some point? Um, I don't know. I guess we'll find out as we play. <laughs> as we play. 
Um, yeah. I just know from what I've heard that you can't like there's no recruit option when you talk to they do. So I know that um yeah. that you shouldn't be able yeah. to. Um so it's cool. And so I think you you mentioned to me before that you haven't recruited anybody outside your house yet or haven't Except done zero. that since then. So just zero. Yeah, I told He's you a little tank. Zero. I forgot about him. Have you have I you done much with him? him? I've only played one mission with him. He's okay. like an uh I forget what he is, but I think yeah, he- I played I played one mission with him. I think he uses an axe. He comes in with an axe and a bow as a commoner, I believe. Yeah. But his ability is really useful. Yeah. You know, it'll be, uh, you'll be able to do basically whatever you want with him. Um, But he's got a pretty good, he's got good stats, basically. You'll be able to work with him. Um, Yeah. So that's the only one I have. I want to recruit Catherine and Manuela. And then I don't know who else I want to recruit. I'm thinking about, um, I think, Dorothea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know who else. I was thinking about, um, I was also thinking about Lysithia, but I don't know at the same time. She's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I got to, like, I got to play more and, like, talk more to the people because, like, when I play, I do play in very small increments. I only sat down, like, one time and played for, like, I want to say, like, five hours straight or, like, right. six hours straight. Um, but during that time, I got, like, a ton done. But, like, I feel like the more you step away from it, the harder it is to, like, remember, like, oh, this is what this person likes. This is what this person likes. So, like, yeah, that's definitely I really want to – so that's why I want to like sit there, sit down and just like kind of thoroughly figure out who I want to recruit and then just do whatever I can possible. Once I have a big enough time opening that I can actually sit down and figure it out. Right. You're in a pretty good spot where you can probably just, cause like what I ended up doing was um, pulling in a couple of them for like the mission assistance that you can do where they'll join you for the mission at the end of the month. I haven't, I haven't done a single one of those. Uh, I think where you're at. So what, what chapter are you at? Chapter seven. I'm doing the the fishing tournament. It's right after you rescue Flame. Right. And so Monica. The next thing is the um the battle of the eagle. The battle of the uh, eagle online. Um, yeah. There's actually something funny you can have happen if you do, um, if you bring somebody on for mission assistance, because the, <laughs> then what happens? Um, I think I had Dorothea actually on mine for mission assistance. So what happens is they won't battle on your team during that battle, but they will also not battle for the other team. <laughs> so. They're just not in the fight. So you end up... So basically what ended up happening in my match anyway, I mean, I don't know if Dorothea would have like made that huge of a difference or not, but the Black Eagles got steamrolled basically through that through that uh, mission when I played it because they were down a man. <laughs> so um, I felt kind of bad about that. And then I so got, how does that... Uh, so I don't, I don't know how that fight works because it, if it's the battle between the Blue Lions and the, and the Black Eagle, what happens with the Golden Deer? Is it like um, the same as the intro mission where it's a three? Like yeah, a three it's, it's the same split. except with um, just more units. Basically, everybody has like their full house essentially. Um, plus, the other two teams have right. just generic units too. Uh, and the map is different. Um, there's like an interesting thing that's available that happens on the map, um, which I was able to take advantage of. I don't know if you were right. able to or not, but there's some interesting stuff that happens on that map. Um, but yeah, since I had Dorothea, she did not fight with me, but also did not fight for the other team and the black Eagles did not do very well because of that. And then it was funny because I mean, I don't know if this happens like no matter what, but I talked to her afterwards 
And she like commented on the fact that she had like helped us in a way. I forget what her exact dialogue was, but she was just like, she congratulated me for winning the battle. And she was just like, I hope you had a good time. I know that I did. And I'm just like, like, you know, you didn't really fight. You kind of helped me, you know, and your yeah. house lost because of it. So, um, so that's actually, funny. That, was, that was a fun battle. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, do some like mission assistant stuff just to like try out different classes. And, and what I ended up doing was I got like C level uh, supports with like pretty much everybody that I was a little bit interested in. And based on like how that conversation went and whether or not I liked their personality was who I decided to recruit. <laughs> so I ended up getting, um, right. Who did I get? I got Petra, Felix, and Ingrid, I think might actually be the only ones. Um, oh, and Bernadetta. Um, so two from each house for the other houses, basically. Um, I'm on the fence. I might still try to get Linhart still, but I don't, I think he's a mage or he's a magic class of some kind. And I do not need any more of those. I'm swimming in those right now. Um, so right. Like four of them on my team. It's just too many. So, um, and that's before you count the faculty. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah, so recruiting can be fun, but also you'll end up with a team that doesn't make any sense. Um, if you do need a mage, Lysithia is amazing to the point that um, I almost don't need any other mages. So I have two. So so you have like a black mage and a mage, basically. Right, you said you have. Yeah, I have I have Mercedes and Annette. And Annette, right? Yeah, I don't know what their. Um, I used Mercedes in a battle, and I didn't. I didn't end up needing her really. Um, because Marianne is so good, but then um, I didn't I didn't I didn't bring a net on for any missions. Uh, well, so like with the golden deer, the funny thing is that um, you have um, Lysithia, who her crest. I think she has two crests. Actually, she may be the one that has two crests. Um, her crest boosts magic magic attacks. And then her ability increases like the skill points she earns. So I've had her go through uh, all the magic classes already that I have unlocked because she just earns points so fast. Um, and then this is actually sort of a point about how like you kind of, I feel like you kind of can't mess up the job system. I ended up making Lawrence a mage, even though I had him as a soldier originally. Because like when you start the start the game, he has a spear originally, and I was just like, "Dude wants a spear. Let's use spears." Uh, but then I realized that his crest boosts magic attacks, and soldiers can't use um, magic at all. So it didn't make sense for him to be in a non-magic class. Then I moved him over to being a mage. But again, since Scythia is already such a good mage, kind of don't really need him very much anymore. Um, even though he's kind of like integral to right. the story, <laughs> so I need to keep him around. Uh, but then I also have Marianne, yeah. who is a very good white mage, and um, she starts with um, um, she starts with Nosferatu. Do you have that ability in other? Yep. Abilities? Yep. Um, yep. I have that on the net. On the net. So um, yeah, like Scythia ended up unlocking it eventually, but but Marianne starts with that ability, which is really kind of cool because right out of the gate she is like a white mage, but she has this really strong. Um, I guess is that considered dark magic that can heal at the same time? Actually, Mer cool. 
It's not. It's not Annette. It's Mercedes. Mercedes has that too. She's she because she's a healer. Annette does not. She she starts off the white magic thing. I just didn't notice it. Yeah, Annette. Queen has it too. Actually, it is just the white magic thing. Um, Yeah, Annette starts with wind and like wind cutter or something like that. Like those are the two abilities you get. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Does a lot of damage. Yeah, I feel. I feel like if I was gonna sort of make one sort of comment on difficulty, I feel like magic is like way overpowered in this game. Uh, is my sort of main takeaway, <laughs> especially because like yeah, heavy armor classes are so weak against white magic or not white magic. They're so weak against magic just in general. Um, and yeah, did you get slapped by it? Yeah, it's awful. So they give you and and there's also like so I also have Ignatz on my team who starts off with a bow, asks to become an archer, asks to become a sniper, but then he has a budding talent in magic. So he has all these magic skills now that he can't use because the class he's in can't even use magic. And then also, um, I right. developed my main character also has a bunch of magic he can't use because he also has a budding talent in, I think, faith. Um, so there's just magic like everywhere in the game, and I can't use it all the time because not everybody can use magic. So I got to figure out how to get around that. Yeah. Um, right. But it's a lot of fun. Um, I want to talk about. It is. I guess I want to talk about like a couple story differences real quick, just because I'm curious about a couple things. Um, so I guess this might be like the main sort of spoilery part of the conversation. Um, yeah. So from what I understand, talking to other people, yet I've been trying to avoid spoilers, but just sort of genuinely curious about things. Um, and knowing that you're sort of at you're close-ish to where I'm at. Um, I know the second half of the game is pretty different for every house that you choose. And, but I'm curious, like leading up to that, you know, how different are some things. So in my route, there's a mission early on where one of the blue lions kids dad or somebody related to him and his family like rebels. And we have to go off and do that. I'm curious, what is that mission like when he's part of your house? Is he like? I made him kill him. You made him kill him. <laughs> Good God, Spence. I did. Yeah, yeah, dude. I made I made him kill his his adoptive father. Yeah. Wow. Savage. Yeah, it, it was pretty messed. It, it was pretty. It was pretty messed up. But but he was like, it. He's really like depressed about it afterwards. Not that like not because he killed him, but it was just like like why would he do that? Like right. Um, yeah. So they were all like really confused and like, so yeah, it was really, I think it was ashes. Yeah. Or no, not ashes. Yeah. It's ash. Yeah. Ash. It was ash. Yeah. I had ash kill him with the final blow. Um, and he was just like, why? Like why? Well, I forget his name. Um, Lord, I think it starts with an L. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, like, he's kind of privy to the idea. He's like, he's always been a kind man. Why would he do this? Like there has to be something else at play. Was there no other way than killing him? You know? Um, So it was interesting. Also, um, not to do with that, but we had discussed, I don't know if we discussed this on one of the episodes or not, but we had discussed about Dimitri being like you feeling like he's evil. Um, I felt like, I found I felt out. like he felt like he was hiding something. 
so he is. Um, I found out because there's a support mm-hmm. where where he's like, you can't pretend like you don't love the blood, like the blood and the gore and all that. Like I think it was with <laughs> Felix. Yeah, it was with Felix. No. Felix was just like, you can't pretend like that. He's like, I saw the look in your eyes back on the battlefield like a couple of years ago, and he's like. He's like, you can't lie to me. And to me, she's like, I won't say. He's like, I won't lie to you, blah, blah, blah. And then it fades to black. And it's like, okay. But he's like, I want this to be peaceful, like, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I made Ash Ash kill his dad. um, Here's another question I have for you. So how does Dimitri feel about the hero's relics? Does he have any feelings about them at all? Does he bring them up much? No? Okay. Because I don't think so, no. A major part of the Golden Deer storyline is that Claude is like obsessed with the hero's relics. Um, Dimitri isn't, no. Like, from, like when he finds out that, like, as you get the sword of the creator. Um, the sword of the creator. You know, he's just like, huh. He, like, he immediately figures out, like, what it means. He's like, huh, so you have that. That must mean you have the crest. Which and you can that you're related with that, so yeah, that, that you're related like immediately, yeah. and then you find out that he's like secretly been doing all this research in the library, like researching like the crests and the heroes relics, uh, and like anytime they come up in the story, uh, he's just like, yeah, man, heroes relics. We got to find out more about these, and then it might be a support you have with him, but he even like talks about how like one of the main reasons he came to the school was because he wanted to research heroes relics because he thinks they're like the key to you know, I don't want to say world domi- denom- uh, world uh, domination or anything like that, but like the key to power in their world basically is, is the hero relics. Um, so that's interesting. Claude yeah. has some hidden stuff too. He's got to, got to check. I feel like all of them do. They do. And I think that's so interesting is, is like, cause like, I still like Claude, you know, I don't know if I'm going to end the game liking him or not. You know, he's still really charismatic guy. He's a lot of fun. I f- but, Do you want to hear my prediction right now? Uh, well, let me just say this one thing quick. Because my prediction, my prediction right now, for for all three stories, is that the house leader is gonna f up somehow and betray the house. Maybe for all across all three, I think that's how it's gonna be. Because the only person that like out of all three that I actually still like is Dimitri, and I actually like Edelgard now. Like just talking to her in the monastery. Claude rubs me the wrong way now, and it was it was completely the the opposite way. I I really liked Claude, and now I'm right. like, eh, you're a little sketchy. Yeah, I'm interested. I was interested to to ask you that because of the fact that, like I said, a lot of his stuff, like you very quickly find out that he has an agenda. You know, like for starters, so you know they so he's the um, he's the heir to the alliance, right? But you find out. And people like question him on this. There's just like, what's the story on this? People are very suspicious of him, even within his own house, because it's only been like in the last couple of years that people even like found out he existed. You know, like the idea is that he's like the grandson of the Duke and that the Duke's father, like, or sorry, that Claude's father, like ran away from, you know, didn't want to be part of the, of the noble family anymore had Claude like in secret with a woman that whose identity we still, I still don't know at this point in the game. Um, And then they came and like found Claude because they needed to have an heir to the Alliance basically. 
And then he was like, I want to go join the monastery because hero relics are there, you know? So like dude has like a, like a secret agenda. They, there's a lot of scenes where you'll have a support with him and then he'll just be like, hmm, 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 yeah, to himself, like afterwards, you know, there's just like extra stuff happening. Right. And there's also like some political intrigue, like in the paralogues of my story about how it sounds like one of the other noble houses of the Alliance is trying to take over. It's, there's some stuff going on in the background. Golden Deer is right. Golden Deer is good, is what I will say. But how much of that do you have, like in in the Blue Lions? Is there like stuff coming out of the out of the woodwork there too? Or yeah, like I said, like Felix called Dimitri. It was it was the Battle of Dusker. He he remember Felix was like, I remember the look in your eyes at the Battle of Dusker. Like, mm. You can't tell me that you didn't enjoy killing all those innocent people. Blah blah mm. blah. And Dimitri was just like, yeah, so what? F you, basically. Um, but at the same time, like, he, he does, like, talk to you. And he was trying to talk to Felix, like, like I don't want to be like that. Like, I want to be good. Right. You know? And, like, from what I've understood from, like, just talking to Edelgard as the, the house leader of Blue Lions, Edelgard is, like, the only one that's, like, actually seems sane and wants, like, peace. Right. So, but I also don't know because I haven't played for the uh, the Black Eagles, so and haven't gotten like the supports up that much. Right. So, there's a thing I heard about the Black Eagles that I guess probably counts as a spoiler, so I won't say it. But that's interesting. I like I like all of that, and it definitely confirms in my mind that like I do want to replay it. And then I'm also glad that I didn't that I didn't just go crazy and try to recruit every single character because I want to be able to have like those unique interactions you know, with people in their house yeah. that are interested in and have a stake in everybody's backstory. Um, yeah, like, there's 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 scenes, obviously, before, like, each mission. So, right. you know, I'm curious how those scenes play out in other houses compared to, like, me talking to, you know, Dimitri, Dudu, and Felix. Like, they're all, like, telling me, like, this is what we need to do, blah, blah, blah. But um, here's a question for you. Like, for – I have a question for you, actually. Yes. I have a question for you. You go first. So – when you go, when they're talking about the the assassination plot on uh, Lady Ray, right? Do do they do your students talk about going like instead of being security detail? Do they like plot to to go save or to go into the room as well to like the uh, what's it called where where they think that there might be like an ulterior motive like that's what they're actually after to me mean when they go down there or hmm? what when, are, you, are you talking about them trying to go down to where you end up finding the sword like in the tomb or whatever it is is, is called is that what you mean yeah do they yeah, um do they yeah like somebody brings up about, like we should like go down there like as you because because like part of your mission that month is to sort of like find out what might be going on and you eventually come to the conclusion right. that like the assassination is probably a decoy. We should go down. Yeah. We should go down there because it's the only place that's going to be unguarded. Yeah. What happens in yours too. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I have a question for you about. Okay. I don't. Is it the end of that mission? No, it's the one. I think it's the one you just did after you rescued Flame. Um. Oh, my I didn't even make it to the end of the month. I have a. What do you mean? Oh, did you go and just like start that by accident? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I, was, I, was I, went, I was like, like no, on no. the first week, I went 
through the first week and just walked in and I was like, crap, I just missed all of that that I could have done. So explain some things. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, so at the end of that mission, um, after you, after you beat the mission and like the death knight is like, now I'm going to kill you. And then the flame member shows up. Right. That's that mission. Right. Yeah. And he like talks to you. Yeah. Um, so how much has that guy been in your story so far? Was that the first time you probably met like, him? Second or third time? Probably like the third or fourth, second or third, maybe third or fourth, something like that. Okay. Yeah. He's, he was, he was in the story, uh, there and then he was in the story telling someone else he's like yeah you can command the death knight he's all yours and i forget who that was but he was like yeah you know you can use him he'll obey, he'll obey you if you tell him what to do right i remember that too but i'm trying to think so yeah that was like the second or third was that when he was talking to the guy that was like from... the second or third time i saw him so he's talking to the guy from the first mission like the thief maybe he tells him that he can command the Death Knight. I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, interesting. Okay. So there's. So I guess you're not quite far enough to maybe have some of the same questions as, as I do because I started to wonder about the identity of that person, um, and wondering if it's. Oh, I have. I wonder about it, but I just don't know who it is. I have a couple ideas if it's somebody that we already know, or I will I'm say. I was going to say my story that it seems as if they're trying to suggest. A particular character is that person and i'm like what's up with that but in in my story it seems that yuritsa and manuela because they just disappeared when flane went missing mm -hmm. and manuela was carrying yuritsa's mask right and now they're nowhere to be found right ever since that break in and you get this the sword of the creator and stuff or you you uh what you call it you rescue flame once you rescue flame they're just gone um and when you rescued flame there was another person that was rescued monica have you talked to monica okay. yet i tried but she's talking to edelgard <laughs> in the in the training grounds and right. she was like real like hush hush right she's like, oh <laughs> professor and i'm like what the hell is that's going so on? weird I'm wondering what yeah, I thought that was super weird. That's what I was I was going to bring that up too, yeah. Um, for me anyway, the next month, I couldn't even talk to her anymore. Like she was there talking to, I think she was talking to Hubert maybe. And when you walk up to the two of them, she doesn't have any dialogue. Just It's just Hubert who has dialogue. I'm just like, well, I can't even talk to her anymore. Like it was weird. Something weird is going on there. Um, I guess. Well, yeah, because if you talk to other I forget who I talked to, but she was like, doesn't Monica seem like a little like weird? Like mm -hmm. she's, she seems like something they're like, it seems like something's going on. Like she seems like she recovered like way too fast and stuff like that. Right. And I was like, all right, well, let me go talk to her. And then it was like, Oh, what are we going to do about the, Oh, hi professor. It's like, what? Um, I'm trying to remember when this happened. And again, trying not to spoil too much stuff. Have you um, had, a mission yet with Gerald telling you anything about your past? About your mom and he's standing at the cemetery? Yes, okay. Yeah, they, there wasn't much about it, just that she quote-unquote died right after he was born. Yeah. But um, And then they're like, yeah, then the tombstone is suspiciously smeared. Yeah. 
Uh, you can't. Have you got any supports with Hanuman yet? I don't know. You should you should go like just give him gifts and get a support with him, because his first support like. Like, I kind of wonder what it would have felt like to do him and then get that scene with Gerald because he, like, says some stuff. He's, like, says, oh, I've been investigating your past and then, like, tells you some stuff about your past that confirms and also seems to maybe contradict some of the stuff that Gerald tells you in that scene. It's very interesting. Um, which, like, makes me... I'll have to play it once I... It's, a. Uh, I think, one thing that I think is really neat about this story in the way that it's told, which maybe could be frustrating. Like I griped about this same kind of thing when Final Fantasy 15 did it. So I'm sort of curious how the overall effect is gonna be, but there's like a lot of stuff that I think is really important that happens in optional cutscenes. You know, like I mentioned, yeah. I mentioned there was like some political intrigue happening with um, somebody in the Alliance trying to maybe overthrow the Alliance that happened in a paralogue. So I'm curious if I had never done that paralogue, would that, does that come up later? Do I just, can I anticipate that or just know more background because I did the paralogue? You know, the, uh, the paralogue I did right. in the beach that I mentioned earlier, uh, you find out some very, what I think should be like main plot stuff, not stuck away in an optional cutscene stuff for two important characters. You find out some, like in my opinion like crucial backstory <laughs> that i'm like this should be like main content you know so again i'm curious like does that come up later or you know it's just i'm very interested in the way this game tells its story and how it like like it wants you obviously to to do all this stuff and it incentivizes you to do all this stuff and to get those supports to learn the backstory you know but i also wonder what it feels like to not do any of that i'm also i'm I agree. I'm extremely curious about the whole Gerald and your your mom thing. I've been thinking about that since that cutscene, because I I even like walked up to the 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 tombstone and I was like, can I like read it or, or what? And it was like, nope. And so I don't know. It the whole the whole monastery is just like Lady Lady Ray is like really seems to me like a bad person. I don't know. And too nice to possibly uh, be that nice. Well, no, she's also like the typical, like, kill the non-believers, you know, right. like, yeah. so I don't like, and I don't like that. Like, I hate doing her work for her because it's like, I feel like a bad guy. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. So I'm, I'm trying to think of like, eventually, is there a turning point in the game where it's like, all right, well, I'm against the church now. Right. So, because even Gerald was against the church and that also made me think that Gerald could potentially be one of like either the death knight or the flame emperor. Right. So and there's this because he of... disappeared in the fire. Right. So I was like, Hmm. And everybody keeps mentioning that like, he looks like he hasn't aged a day, which is very suspicious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then in, in the scene that I mentioned with Hanneman, he's also brings up like the fact that Gerald is very suspicious and the whole story with the mother doesn't seem to make a lot of sense and who is your mother really and you don't know who your own mother is you don't even know how old you are for real you know um there's a lot of yeah. mystery and why do i have green hair like lady ray flane and seth yeah why does everybody have green hair um yeah 
Meanwhile, there's this there's this girl that lives in your head and floats in your bedroom. You know what's that about? Oh, uh, Sophus. Sophus. Yeah, she's she's the. I'm telling you, she's the divine person that Lady Ray is praying to. I don't care. I'm I'm calling it now. I called it since the beginning of the game. She's got to be like the the god that they're praying to, right? Because when they were talking about the sort of the creator, I think I think it was is they were like, oh, um, this was this was made for whatever. I'm trying to figure out how they worded it, but it was like, oh, so that literally confirms to me that Sophus is like that person that they're that they're praying to. So right. I don't know. Um, I think I think it's interesting. So I'm not going to like be too specific, but I but I'm at a point in the story where um, I know a little bit more about that question than you do. But something that I think is also interesting is that they make some of that stuff seem so painfully obvious that it just also makes me suspicious that there maybe is some other you know plot twist waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, that's also like in the back of my head. Like it's like it's it feels too direct for like I feel like there's gonna be like a big plot twist and it's like oh crap like that's actually bad. well and also knowing yeah. what I know about the Fire Emblem series and about how a lot of them deal with stuff. Um, I'm curious. Uh, one other thing I was gonna say about the story because I was thinking about this as I mentioned like well I wonder what the story feels like when you don't know things about the characters and then you learn them later. It's like I sort of proved that to myself the other day when I told you that I learned about Bernadetta's past and just it totally changed my impression of her character. Um, so I think that is kind of like an example of maybe the whole game's approach to the story is like you can have an idea of who Bernadetta is and of what the story of the game is, you know, but when you make the effort to make relationships with these characters and make an effort to learn about the world, you're going to get a bigger and much more detailed picture of the world than otherwise, you know? And I think that's right. Cool. At least it's not like uh, Final Fantasy 15 where one of the integral optional cutscenes happens when you randomly stay it over overnight at a specific rest stop that you have no reason to ever stay overnight at. Uh, in this game, you at least know where you need to go to get the... Uh, Paralog scenes and support conversations. <laughs> yeah. Was that too obscure of a reference? Do you know what I'm talking about? The, the Final Fantasy scene? I have no freak I have no freaking clue what you're talking about. I played and beat that game. I just don't know what you're talking Did about. Did you play any of the DLCs? Well, not even the DLC. It's a uh so the whole thing with Prompto. I'm gonna guess stay vague for anybody who yeah. hasn't played Final Fantasy 15 at this point. Like that the stuff with Prompto is foreshadowed. In an optional cutscene that only happens if you camp overnight at, um, is it called Old Lestalem, maybe? Uh, it's an area you never actually have to go to through the course of the story. And I didn't go there until after I had done that, done the whole rest of the story, and then went back in at the end of the game to do some extra junk, you know? knew all the all the plot twists and everything like that and then found this optional scene that sets up when it's up happening later you know i'm just like okay well that was dumb right so so my 
feeling about how like <laughs> I guess I was kind of like trying to say to myself like you know oh am I okay with this happening in Fire Emblem even though I complained about it so much in Final Fantasy 15 but I think the reason why I feel differently about that in this game so far is because I know where to look for that stuff and I know that I'm only going to get as much story out of it as I look for you know whereas in Final Fantasy 15 you have no reason to expect there's going to be these extra hidden cutscenes. you know you're never incentivized to do that kind of stuff you know, whereas this game right. definitely, definitely wants you to invest the time into the world and you're going to get out of it what you're putting into it, you know, which I think is cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> probably exhausted this topic for today, at least. Just... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more <laughs> once we progress through the story because, I mean, we're literally still in the first part mm -hmm. and we just talked for probably about 45 minutes at least. To an yeah. hour. Yeah, I think we'll probably uh, about Fire Emblem. So yeah, I'd say maybe we'll wait until we at least both hit the time skip before revisiting again, and maybe just be like, "Well, what's different now?" You know, and yeah. then maybe again wrap up when we finish the story. Um, for each of us, the first it's, time it's only going to get more different, and I'm already fascinated yeah. in how different it is. You know, because <laughs> there's little things like you don't think necessarily. Well, here's another thing for you. Um, does anybody in your I can't imagine anybody in your house. Do they like know anything about Gerald or have any kind of connection to him? Because, no, it's just what's her name, Leone. Yeah, because part of the Leone's part of the reason that. why I chose Golden Deer was because of Leone and the fact that she says right out of the gate, "I have this connection to Gerald. I think he's amazing." You know, I was curious to see like what that ends up meaning throughout the story. You know, and it causes right. to to happen that I'm sure you know, happen differently in, in yours or don't happen at all because, you know, you don't have that extra thing going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she won't shut up about him in my story. <laughs> she's, like, obsessed with me. Like, when she... Uh, she's, well, every I'm, time you talk to her, she doesn't... She always mentions him, but that's about it. Yeah, and in my thing, her... Um, she's a cavalier right now. I think she's on her way to becoming a paladin, maybe. Maybe a bow knight. I forget. One of the two. But basically, she's just, like... I want to. I want to become a knight just like Gerald. So I need to learn how to ride a horse. And I'm just like, great, let's do it. <laughs> but she's a she's a machine. Yeah. She's she's one of those characters that could just take out an entire army by herself if I let her. Uh, okay, so that's yeah. Fire Emblem Three Houses. That's that's it. Everybody, play it. Incredible. Still game of the year for me so far. That's something I was I was just gonna say. You still think it's game of the year? That was. I think it is. My I mean, my impression of it has only improved, especially after I got that Bernadetta scene. Um, which Honestly, I can say the same. I'm enjoying it, so I haven't had this much fun with the game in a while. So, yeah. this this so far, I don't know what game might come out, but this so far has been game of the year that I have personally played. Good. Let's keep let's keep talking about it like that. Um, cool. People, let's wrap this up. All right, let's wrap up. Let's wrap this up. Yeah, it's talking for way too long. Okay, so that's going to do it for this week from Brother Live Gaming. <laughs> Thanks everybody for sticking around. Um, I think probably the only version of this in its entirety is going to be the audio version. So if you listen to, two, excuse me, if you listen to the audio version, that means you got all of the Gamescom stuff, all the Dragon Quest stuff, all the Fire Emblem stuff. You did it. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> Please leave us a review on iTunes uh, if you like the fact that we did all that. 
Um, for everybody else on YouTube, thank you for watching to this part where I just rambled for a minute. Um, please remember to like these videos and subscribe to the channel because YouTube only cares about us when those things happen. Um, and then also, if you want, true. if you want to follow what else we're talking about or what we're doing, you can check us out on Twitter at BrotherlyLoveG1. I'm trying to tweet a little bit more just to stay active on there. Um, and yep. same handle on Twitch, uh, BrotherlyLoveG1. Uh, we haven't streamed in a little while because I don't really know how to... I'm afraid to stream Fire Emblem because I just know someone's going to jump in there and spoil the ending for me. <laughs> so I don't really want to. So i got to find another game to stream Yeah, you know, to be able to do something. Yeah, But we'll figure it out. Yep. That'll be it. Um, that's it, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll see you all next time. Peace out.